Welcome to the Whole Self Podcast, where we talk about various mental health topics with an emphasis on the body, mind, and spirit connection. Our goal is to empower our listeners with the knowledge and tools needed to embark on their own healing journey. A gentle reminder that this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Whole Self Podcast. My name is Mandy. And I'm Kate Byler. And today we are doing part two of our last episode. The last episode we talked about trauma in students um, and how that might show up in your students, what their behavior might look like and what you can do about it. And then today we're talking about how trauma can show up in teachers. Yeah, because the focus is normally on the kiddos, which makes sense. But really, like if you guys aren't doing well, then... That probably doesn't make for a great classroom environment. Yeah. And I think a lot of these things that we're going to talk about, I have felt them as a teacher. I taught, if you didn't listen to our last episode, I taught um, public school art in a few different schools for seven years. Um, So I, I feel like I have felt all of the things that we're going to talk about, but I didn't really know what it was. You know, like I kind of thought it was just par for the course or part of the job. Um, Right. And then I burnt out. So, <laughs> so knowing right. some of this stuff would have been very helpful. Right, right. Well, I think it's like assumed in many helping professionals, whether it's a teacher or a nurse or even like counseling and stuff, that you just kind of like suck it up and do it. Yeah. And it's hard, but it, yeah, it might affect you, but you have to just keep doing it. And it doesn't matter if you're having an anxiety attack while you're doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's the whole, like, just do it for the kids or like, you know, well, this is what you signed up for or, um, like just develop a thicker skin, but yeah, doing all those things, like pushing through, doing it for the kids, developing thicker skin, they might not help you not burn out. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the first major one that actually a lot of people, um, I don't think know about as much, but maybe have heard it as like an, uh, a phrase and you can kind of get out what it means, but is vicarious trauma or the transference of trauma. Meaning like, think of it as like, if someone is like, if you have a kid covered in something sticky and you help them try to clean the stickiness off, the stickiness is going to get on you too. Yeah. Wow, that's a really good visual. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like whatever, you know, you're encountering in that day is probably rubbing off on you in some way. And there isn't so much as, like, preventing it as much as how do you handle that when it does because it will rub off on you. Um, I'm sure you've experienced that as as a teacher of just seeing maybe kids in bad situations or having a really tough class, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you're feeling really heavy or like extremely frustrated in them in that moment or when you go home. Yeah, um, definitely. Cause I feel like we, you know, what this might look like is not being able to like leave work at work, um, mm-hmm. like being unable to sleep, like having constant thoughts. Like, I feel like I would sometimes have a cycle of thoughts, especially like some of the districts that I worked in were very low income. And so I would 
hear a lot. Like for example, at one of the middle schools where I taught, I had a, um, an art club and, the kids were like talking as they were working and they like, they were asking each other questions. It was very cute. But then they were like, Oh cool. Like how many of you guys have seen a dead body? And they like the majority raised their hands. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So we had like a little conversation around that, but like some of the things that those kids experience, like I would find myself not being able to shut off my brain or Mm -hmm. thinking about that and like worrying about them or worrying about, about what like their future might look like. Um, Right. So you're basically taking responsibility where you really shouldn't and you don't have like where it's not in your control. So it's like you're taking that on and then on top of your job as a teacher. So it's almost like learning to have like good boundaries with self. Of What do you do when you hear these things? Can you go talk to someone, you know, kind of just even, even go to that next level up. So I I assume in all public schools and schools, they have like a social worker or someone who runs things like that. Like, does it help your conscience and that need to fix it to be like, okay, well, like focusing on the only thing I can do as a teacher is notify the social worker, notify the school counselor. Um, you know, check off those lists. Okay. I've done everything that's in my, basically my job description and what is in my control. Right. That's true. Um, yeah. and, and kind of relay that, but it is hard when you're, again, we said this in the last podcast, like you're essentially with these kids sometimes like much more than their parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, at least for me, I felt like I took on a lot of responsibility. Like I felt like everything you know, was under my locus of control. I don't know, like what my students were experiencing, like it was my job to fix it. So I think, um, yeah, like I felt like more angry and on edge than I normally did. And then I remember coming home from work, especially after like heavy days, I would just want to sit TV or scroll my scroll on my phone and just like kind of numb out and not like deal with anything. So, but like what you're saying about recognizing, Hey, this is our school's protocol. Like, you know what you're supposed to do as a mandated reporter, you know, that you mentor teacher or go to the school counselor, but like making sure in those moments to define what is in your control and what is outside of your control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even once it hits a certain point with therapists and school counselors, we're only in control of so much of like somebody else's actions, somebody else's need or want to do something, you know? Um, and, and so like you were saying, Mandy, it vicarious trauma can look like, you know, lack of sleep, a restlessness, um, anger, honestly, one that, we like didn't write down, but I think is common is like an intense anxiety and in going into work. Oh yeah. Just like the anxiousness of what am I going to face for the day? I'm feel so out of control. I can't help all these kids. I also have to grade all these papers. Like, yeah, you know, this, um, you probably feel it in your body. So any, anything that you feel in your body at the end of the day, whether it's heaviness or on the opposite spectrum, a lot of like jitteriness or sick feelings in your stomach, like is probably also vicarious trauma of witnessing, you know, hard things every day and not really not being able to change them the way you would like to. Yeah. 
And I mean, cause we were talking in the beginning about like how this is like generally showing up in people helpers. So like for you, Kate, as a therapist, like how, cause I know you hear some very heavy mm-hmm. things, like how do you keep from taking it into your body or keep from taking it on? I think it does help to have people in my circle that also encounter the same things. So being able to say, like, maybe review something of like, okay, this client opened up about this. These are the steps we decided to take. And getting that affirmation of like, yes, that's what I would have done. That's all you could could have done in that moment is helpful to kind of like put a cap on it and be like, okay, like I did what I can do. You know, I can check in later this week. Um, and then I think other things honestly is like counseling is a huge part of it. Side note, if you go to a therapist and they haven't been to therapy, Oh, yeah. So most therapists should be in therapy. <laughs> yes, we're a big believer of that over here because we're just human too. Like, you know, yeah. we all encounter dark things in our life. We all have struggles. And what clients say to us is still really hard at times and might be triggering to us, right? So you could also be in encountering um, vicarious trauma also because you might be seeing a kid that reminds you of something you went through. And it's like, oh, yeah stirs up a lot. So I would say that. And also like one thing I do after I work nights is I will play a early 2000s dance playlist in my car on the way home. (laughs) Not because I'm like, I don't want to think about all the things people didn't say, but I don't want to go into my evening feeling heavy. Mm, Yeah. I want to remind myself that, like, there is work and seriousness, and there's also, like, this fun side of me that likes to dance and enjoys terrible music. <laughs> Hold on. I don't think that music is all terrible, Kate. Let's not True. Do <laughs> True. I mean, so some self-care, play little Nelly and uh, Rihanna, <laughs> and I'm good to go. <laughs> But I do think, you know, finding those things that give you, remind you, like, this is not my life, right? Like, Mm, yeah, no one's job should be their soul, like, worth in life. Yes. Yeah. And that's so true, too, because I feel like, I mean, with teaching, and you know, because you're married to a teacher, like, it's Mm -hmm. it's easy to kind of allow work and home to blend together because there's so much work. Mm -hmm. Like, what you're saying about having, like, firm boundaries of this is where work ends and I begin, and like right. going to be, I think, a better teacher and like pouring from a fuller cup if you are like still, I don't know, like nurturing who you are as a person outside of work and like keeping mm-hmm. up with hobbies and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, for those of you that are like, I'm like a visual person. So sometimes I'll literally imagine my life in like different lockers. And so like... When I'm at work, I open the work locker. I close the other ones if I can, um, especially that kid locker. <laughs> when I'm at work, you know, I have that work locker open. And then when I leave work, I try to visually imagine myself closing it 
Mm-hmm. And like turning, pivoting towards the other lockers I'm about to go to. So that home, husband, and kids, then those are the ones I'm focused on. Um, yeah. Because we just can't, we can't think about it all at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's too much. That's a great visual though. I like that. Yeah. I find it helpful. And and like we said, so counseling, um, if you're a teacher, you know, talking to teacher friends, um, <laughs> There are the toxic venting and the non-toxic venting. Yes, that is very <laughs> true. I think the the thing you're told as a teacher sometimes is to like avoid the like lunch teachers lounge during lunch time because mm-hmm. it can turn mm-hmm. toxic venting. But what what kind of is the difference, Kate, between like toxic venting versus healthy venting? I, I feel like, so I've talked about this with my husband and I feel like we've said like the toxic venting is almost, you're very negative about everything, mm-hmm. right? So you, everything is terrible and like using like very extreme language. So everything is terrible about the school district. Everything is terrible about the, um, I don't know, the administration, you know, everything is terrible about the curriculum, you know, like nothing is ever good. Mm, okay. Within your job. Whereas like, I, I don't, I see that as toxic because it's like, well, there has to be like, then we're just complaining at this point. Yeah. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. There is room for complaining, but not in all extremes. So I think healthy venting is saying, I'm so frustrated with this class. I am just making up a scenario right now in my head. I'm so frustrated with this class. I went to the vice principal. He or she like just told me to try this thing and it didn't work. I don't feel very cared for. Mm. Right. So you're talking about this. Hopefully that healthy friendship or colleague is able to just empathize with you and validate. Yeah, that sounds like that really sucks. I have a similar situation. I am also having a hard time with this vice principal and like the lack of rules set in place. Mm. Like, and you know, you're just kind of back and forth talking with each other that you're not alone in the experience. Yeah. But not so much gossiping and everything is terrible. I can't. Like, I hate this school. The school district sucks. Everything sucks. You know, I don't, to me, that's not encouraging. I I would like your feedback on that as a teacher of what that sounds like to you. Yeah. Cause I I think, I think, you know, once you get into a school and, um, I don't, I feel like teachers always kind of split off into like the real go-getters, the people Mm. who've been there for a long time and are kind of just waiting to retire. Um, so there's like different groups, I feel like. Like, just like our students kind of have, I feel like teachers sometimes can too. So I feel like it's, if you're new to a job, it's worth kind of like hanging back and and seeing, you know, who's who and and what people are like. But I feel like you can really tell um, who like the toxic complainers are and who, Mm -hmm. who might be more healthy. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to like, get involved and form connections with the healthier groups. Because I think we have seen too, like a lot of toxic venting just leads to a lot of hopelessness. And that makes you feel even worse because it's like nothing will ever get better. Whereas like more healthy venting um, is like, oh, like I'm really frustrated about this. And then, you know, your colleagues Mm -hmm. have chances to offer, you know, well, this might help you out or try this or like I did this. So it can be a little bit more productive. Mm -hmm. But. Right. And just reminding you of like what you're not 
maybe seen in the moment how much help you're actually giving these kids type of thing and like what your, what your job is really doing. Um, and so it's just, it is tough. And like teachers, like I will say, like, I know my husband did this. Um, I just like have a, maybe a supporter email group of just like a prayer chain or like praying for a student. Um, and you know, like as therapists, we do group supervision, meaning like we'll present a, a case and everyone kind of is able to look at it a different way. Like no one's stopping teachers from like getting together on a Saturday morning and once a month and expressing, hey, these are the issues in my classroom. Like, do you guys have any ideas of what what works for you? You know, like I think yeah. sometimes you have to be creative. And I know that can be a hard ask. Because, like you said, Mandy, like teachers could probably work until like their very last day into the summer without a break. And so, yeah, you know, it's difficult to find time for legitimate help, I think, or support. Yeah. I think too, like sometimes I, I can only speak as a specialist because I taught art, but like we would have team meetings. So mm-hmm. in that time, it you can have the opportunity to kind of because I know that time ends up sometimes being a lot of venting, but, um, using that time to kind of steer it more towards the healthy side than the unhealthy side could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So that was vicarious trauma. You can actually like Google that and, and honestly, YouTube vicarious trauma, there's like loads of resources that explain it in a, in a bunch of different facets. Um, and so then our next one is burnout. <laughs> yeah. For burnout. Yeah. I would probably say this is like the biggest, biggest one, especially right now since COVID. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like so I think COVID just blew everything up. Like with my school, mm-hmm. we, you know, it was announced that one afternoon that we were going to be home for, we thought it was a couple weeks. So we had like the union saying one thing of like, you know, don't work. And then, you know, the school was saying another thing. So it was very confusing as like, are we supposed to work? Are we not supposed to work? Okay, but we still have to teach the kids. So some teachers were like making videos. Other teachers were like driving around, handing out books out of their uh, like cars and setting them on porches. Right. And it was just so, yeah. And then when we went back to school, it was like, you know, are we in person? Are we hybrid? Are we on a cart? Are we allowed to pass out supplies? Are we not allowed? So it was just so much confusion and everything changed. Like, I feel like the structures and procedures and like schedules that schools had before were already taxing. And then we Mm -hmm. had to change all of that with COVID. And so everything that kind of kept your job organized or made it feel more manageable was no longer. So I feel like burnout was like up. And also, like, I was anxious for my family at the beginning of all this when when my husband was going back to work to just, like, not getting sick. Like, you guys are around, like, like, and I don't think everyone is, like, has health anxiety, but those of us that do, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're a teacher, you're going into, like, the the sewer of germs. (laughs) That is very true. And, and you're just expected, you know, to still teach well, despite like fighting through some of that anxiety. Yeah. Um, 
you know, of feeling like you don't want to get sick or maybe you live with someone compromised and you don't want to bring a sickness home to them. Like, yeah, that was like a really stressful time for anyone working with people, but especially teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, burnout can look like, like feeling less creative, feeling tired or fatigued, having less energy, um, feeling numb. Lots of doom scrolling, maybe. Yeah. Just like not feeling any feelings. I feel like that was my main one. Yeah. Like even on the, like the weekends would come and I feel like I would be like, there's not even a point of getting excited because the weekend will end and I'll have to go back and things will be stressful. So like, there's no point in feeling joy or happiness. Right. (laughs) sounds very dismal, but like, that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. I know as a therapist, a lot of it can come in the form of like apathy, like, your like empathy tank is basically low. It's like you still care about your clients, but sometimes they tell you something. I know I feel burned out when I'll go home and be like, oh, like I don't even want to deal with that. Like, but that's my job, you know? And yeah. and that's it's that you kind of lose the emotional bandwidth really to mm-hmm. to take care of others well and yourself. It's just kind of like I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard one, I think, because <laughs> you don't know you're burnout until you're burnout. So it's yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like it just hits you. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, oh, like, I don't even know if the, there are certain things I can say that lead up to being burnout, because sometimes that just looks like life and like doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just can be your environment and your season of life. And I know with schools, it has a lot to do in some regards with like how administration runs the school. And if you have support. Yeah, that's very true. So Mandy, did you do anything that helped or you found that worked once you were burnt out? I think, I mean, I was not great at boundaries because mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't anything that I had really known about. And I feel like teaching is a job where like it kind of low key implies that you can't have them though. It's not true, sure. you can, but it, it sometimes makes you feel that way, but well, they don't make it easy to have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the one thing that's sticking out to me, I remember because my husband was also a teacher and is no longer a teacher. Um, he, And I would like Sunday would be our one day to not do any schoolwork. Mm. And I mean, like, so just having that one day and I think we would always like go to the library. It was either Saturday or Sunday. Like we always planned a trip to like go get new books or go like, but we had like that one day to look forward to where there wasn't going to be schoolwork, which was really helpful. I feel like it Mm -hmm. didn't do a lot because I think there were other, other things I was doing to not help my burnout, but that I remember being like the, the shining point in the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So boundaries and that can also like reverse boundaries of just like assigning yourself certain days to do work, whether mm-hmm. it's yeah. assigning yourself a certain day not to do work or like, I know for my husband, we, it'll probably maybe still be Wednesdays, but like I'll give him Wednesdays and then he can stay later at school, you know, up until like dinner time type of thing 
to just not have to come home and like be distracted, but just stay there and do work. And that way he knows he has like this chunk of time and he's not thinking about it on another day or he can plan accordingly like what he wants to get done that day. Yeah. That doesn't mean there isn't still more things to do, but it's something, I guess. How do you deal with that as a teacher with that feeling of like, there's something that always could get done. <laughs> like, I feel like that is the biggest issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that like, cause I'm a perfectionist too. So that was always the worst thing, especially when I first started as a teacher, I felt like I had to do everything and get everything finished perfectly. Mm. But later on, I think the more I got going, the more I was able to recognize, okay, like if this doesn't get finished, that's okay. And if this, you know, waits until next year, that's okay. So Mm -hmm. I think it helped kind of chunking down my to-do list into like priorities. So like top, middle, lowest priority. Yeah. And trying to kind of stick to that. Yeah, that's helpful. It's like, if I get the top priorities done, then I'll worry about this rather than looking at it as like one long list that needs to get done within like the next nine months. Yes. Yeah. And I think just being okay with things being unfinished and knowing that that's okay. Like it was Mm -hmm. helpful just to talk to some more seasoned teachers and hear them be like, oh, I just don't do that. Like, I just don't have time for it. And it just doesn't get done. So knowing because yeah. when you start out, you know, you're like, I need to do a good job and I need to get everything done. Right. Hearing other teachers like validate that, like, nope, sometimes things, you know, don't get done. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. So another thing you can do to help with burnout is to keep up with hobbies. I said hobbies yesterday in one of my counseling sessions, and I feel like it's such like a old school phrase where maybe because I just work with like younger people and I'm like oh what are your hobbies like and they're like ew okay like I watch Netflix what is a hobby (laughs) (laughs) like oh you don't carve boats in your spare time (laughs) the lost art of boat carving (laughs) but I guess hobbies, things that bring you joy, you know, that make you feel like you trying to integrate them in your crazy teaching schedule. How were you able to do that, Mandy? And if so, like, how, how did you, I mean, not on my own. I think I, I mean, I, I love doom scrolling and I love just like zoning out to watch TV. So Mm -hmm. I think what was helpful is like, my husband and I would have hobbies that we like to do together, even if it's just like going for a walk or hiking with the dogs. So scheduling time to do that. And then also if there was something that I would be involved with, with like friends. Um, Sure. So I feel like having something that was on a somewhat regular schedule, like once a month we go for a hike or, um, you know, once a month, we meet up and discuss a book that we've been reading or something. Not like there was a lot of time to read, but um, yeah. I, feel like yeah. was I do think well I think that relates to boundaries too is like then yeah. you have like a normal occurrence like coffee with a friend every third Friday or something like that I don't know or yeah because most hobbies do involve like just hanging out with people um yeah and I think like you don't have to overthink this time like, I think people try to be like, oh, I have to find a hobby. Like, I have to learn yeah. how to learn rock how to climb or go to a gym or something. Um, 
but it can, I, I will tell like, like first time moms that are trying to like feel normal again. Like one of the things that I've always done is like, I love being alone in my car Mm, (laughs) and listening to like a podcast or whatever I want to do, but also like going to like a drive through and getting a coffee, like just making time. I think hobbies can also be replaced for like something you do that gives you peace, but you're intentional about it. Like, yeah. I'm going to go do this to just do it for myself, yeah. you know, because I like it instead of mindlessly, you know, going like I like grocery shopping by myself. Okay, I'm going to do this with like the intent of like, oh, what could I make? Or I like to go thrifting, you know, things like that. It's yeah, only has to be something super. You don't feel like overthink it. Yeah. Like I always think of when people talk about hobbies and stuff, like, and I think it's maybe because I was an art teacher, but everyone has their like morning routine and some people Mm -hmm. early and sit down with their sketchbooks and like do art. But I found it like impossible to do art while I was teaching art. And Mm. like, I hated the feeling like I had to sit down and make time to do art. So I love the things that you're presenting or like low key, no pressure, spill yourself a coffee like that. Yeah. Who's your goal? Walk around. Like I don't even have to buy anything. I just like to, you know, walk around shops or just like not really like, you're just trying not to think about being a teacher not think about being a counselor. You're just like enjoying a part of who you are away from those things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, getting outside, this is like a huge thing in mental health, whether you're burnout or not, it's like probably one of the most like studied things that they can prove of how getting outside and exposing yourself to nature just combats burnout and depression. Yeah. And I think I found that to be so true because when I first started working here, I was doing, I like manage our social media and our office stuff for those of you who don't know who I am. Um, but I would, would do like, I started doing an Instagram series on mindfulness. So we would do mindfulness Mondays and we would post different mindfulness activities. But to do that, I wanted to get like peaceful outdoor footage. Mm -hmm. So I would take my dog for a walk and like while walking, look for things that might make cool background videos. And I have never felt more peaceful Mm-hmm. And I only do it once a week, but I, I I take my dog and go for like a 15 minute walk in the local park, but just like looking for things that looked beautiful mm-hmm. and recording them. I, I like, it was the most peaceful I've ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, you're getting like in tune with your senses and too, like trying to experience yeah. like what's happening around you and focusing on it. So, yeah. And I mean, study like the cities with the lowest depression rates, Mm-hmm. Um, are the ones where they've made an effort to put greenery within the city as much as possible, like yeah. trees and places with parks available to it. So, I mean, that is backed up with science, I guess, or what's the right word? I want to say quantitative research. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not to be confused with qualitative research. <laughs> That's for another podcast. I'm just kidding. Um, And the last thing we have is in all this with teachers, it's very hard not to personalize things. Yeah. Yeah. 
this was my biggest struggle. I never yeah. learned to not do this in my time as a teacher. <laughs> not once. So yeah, personalizing things, what that can look like is like feeling personally responsible for student behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, like taking it personally when a student acts out or when like they're not doing their work or not doing well um, and feeling like it's your fault. Like I remember every time a student, almost every time a student would act out, I'd be like, oh, well, what did I do to cause that? Like how, right. what is it about me that's setting them off or what is it about my classroom? But now that I have been out of the classroom and have done a lot of counseling and worked in a counseling office, uh, I've learned that like you are not responsible for someone else's behavior. Right. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. That like you are forcing a kid to pay attention that doesn't want to pay attention Mm -hmm. or maybe can't depending on what's going on in their life. Yeah. And so to, it, it makes it probably made your day a lot harder when you did personalize it because then you were feeling shame or like like a bad teacher or really really out of control. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think our last podcast episode talks about the things that can be going on behind the scenes in a student's life. Yeah. So yeah. that might be, if you are someone who, like me, struggles with personalizing mm-hmm. things, that might be a good one to listen to. Because mm-hmm. that's the trauma in students and how their home life and past experiences can affect what they're doing in your classroom. Right. And just as a reminder, any authority figure to a child is triggering. Yeah. Yeah. I think even to me as an adult, it is in some way. Yeah, exactly. And we're really bad at managing ourselves. So like imagining kids trying to manage that is, yeah, you know, probably like way out of their bandwidth of like abstract thinking of what's happening for them in that moment. Um, and so really teachers are like an easy target because you guys are just telling them to do stuff. <laughs> And if they, like, I know I'm dumbing it down, but to them, it's like, oh, this person is ordering me to do stuff. And if I don't do it, I just get a bad grade. Right. So it's like, they're looking at it that way and, and they're not seeing your side of thing of, you know, how much you care and work you're putting into this Mm -hmm. and your sleepless nights and (laughs) working on the weekends. Like kids don't know that. And Maybe even if they did, I'm not sure that they care because no, I don't kids think they're selfish. Do. Not yeah. because they're bad kids, but because that's how their brain is and that's how they're yeah. supposed to be at that time. So <laughs> it's hard not to personalize things. I remember working at um a mental hospital. <laughs> Just you know those days. <laughs> Wait, where where did you work? <laughs> Carefree days at the mental hospital. <laughs> um, oh, yes. But we had to be on all the time to make sure we weren't personalizing, like, some kids that were easily offended or sensitive. Like, if some kid was getting really mad at me, it wasn't because I was X, Y, and Z. It was because I probably reminded them of X, Y, and Z. Or they just, oh, this person is an easy target for my anger. Now, does that excuse the behavior? Not at all. But what it does for you for us in those places of authority is to remind ourselves, I don't need to make this about me right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't need to like put the spotlight on me in this moment. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of have two thoughts about that because I feel like, and maybe it was just the certain schools that I've worked in, but especially schools that were tougher and there was more burnout and more like high turnover. And, but I know, like, I think that's why it's really important to talk about this because I feel like if you are burnt out or you are Mm -hmm. experiencing vicarious trauma, you, and I've seen teachers do this where like, you're looking for, something to vent your own frustration. So I've seen teachers that will not like super purposefully, but like kind of be confrontational with kids. Cause they're also looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel like definitely like you can sometimes do things that trigger your students, but when you are aware of these things it can help you be like, Oh, okay. I am extra grumpy today because I'm so burnt out. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I experienced the same thing when I worked at the mental hospital is like a kid would puff up their chest and get prickly. And then, uh, another clinician or technician would puff up their chest back. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, what is, this is not helpful. We're here to regulate, not create more dysregulation. But I think if you're that burnt out, everything feels like, okay, well, I want to win almost, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want to be respected. Like you're not respecting me and I need to win. And so I think there's also a stigma out there by like backing down or staying calm. Mm -hmm. It's almost you letting the kid win, but you're actually teaching them like what safety is that like, you don't need to match their level of energy in this moment. Like you don't need to, you don't need to be this authority figure that they're trying to pull out of you essentially. Right. Yeah. Think, think of it as like a lot, not all, not all kids that are like that, but like they really want, you to prove them right. Like, see, you got mad. You don't care. You're an angry fill in the blank. And just like everyone else in my life. Right. So they will push you like in, in counseling. Sometimes it's like, they say things to try to purposely push you away. So you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And they'll be like, see, you're just like everybody else. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're just like, so it's like, try to stay calm. And I think all these things like bounce off of what we've been talking about. Like that can be extremely hard. Mm -hmm. So like you need to confide in people and have support and say like, because I know my husband, I think had like one or two certain kids and I'm sure you did too, that would really like keep pressing that button over and over again. And you need to talk about that to like your colleagues. Like, yeah are you experiencing this kid this way? What do you do? Like, or just having someone else be like, yes, they drive me crazy as well. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that like, as a teacher, you're not going to be, as a human being, you're not going to be perfect. So you might Mm -hmm. puff up your chest and react. But I think what's really important in those instances is to like repair that Mm -hmm. follow up with a student and say like, Hey, I'm sorry. I got really frustrated yesterday and I was acting like this and et cetera. But that does lead me to another question, Kate, about Mm -hmm. generally with personalizing things. So Mm -hmm. it's always, I feel like it's the first thing you hear when it comes to teaching is like form a relationship with your students, form a relationship with your students, form a relationship with your students. Um, Because when you were kind of talking about before, like if we really dumb it down at the end of the day, we are teachers asking students to do stuff. Right. I want to do the stuff. 
So in order to help like engage them, we always hear form a relationship, be, you know, close with your students in a professional way. So I wonder if that is hard, like once you form that relationship to not personalize things, Mm -hmm. do you find that as like a therapist, once you establish a rapport, like, do you find it harder to not take things, take things personally there? Yeah, I think it, I think it might depend on like the comments said, you know, and what, I think this is where it gets messy where like, if we talk about it within like the counseling client scenario, it's like, where is my messiness colliding with their messiness? Right. So if a client says something like, oh, well, you never were there for me anyways. Right. Like, how is that colliding with like my junk? Like, am I going to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And like really take it on. Or can I go home and be like, no, that's not true. This person is angry and it's okay for them to be angry at me. Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think it just kind of depends on like your weaknesses of like where a kid could like press your buttons. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, you know, teachers have this like weird, dual relationship with clients mm. clients kids if if they're if the space is there because you're teaching them and you have all these practical things you need them to do but then also you can be a very very safe person mm. yeah and it's hard to like know the line of like yeah what's not like too close not like when I say too close yeah. but I'm appropriate but like I just mean like is it helpful to have that close of relationship sometimes when you're also asking them to do things for you. Right. Whereas yeah. like in my line of work, it's like, they're not so much of getting a grade. They're just the, the whole reason is to develop safety. So it is complicated for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think we mentioned earlier, how counseling can be so helpful, mm-hmm. like, I feel like especially for teachers, because you do have sort of a similar relationship with your students as counselors. Yeah. And clients. So going to counseling, can be helpful. Right. So if something's really not basically what we're saying, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are these women even talking about at this point? (laughs) Basically, if like you're coming up with a, against either a theme with the same kid or something that you keep feeling is like, you keep personalizing it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's something for you to explore in the counseling setting, right? Like, yeah. Are you feeling shame every time this kid is saying this? okay, that's a you problem and you need to figure out why you feel so much shame, right? Is yeah. basically what I think you're trying to say. So yeah. you don't have to continue personalizing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough though, because at the end of the day, kids can be really mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just yeah. say it. They can be like straight up cruel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. I feel like counseling and then boundaries are also really helpful for personalizing stuff. Yeah. And and there's like tons of resources on YouTube and books on boundaries and totally. And just try to keep reminding yourself of like empathy as much as you can Mm -hmm. of just like this kid probably sees you as a threat Mm -hmm. and you're not a threat, but that's how they're experiencing you. So if you listen to our other podcast, 
these terms will sound familiar, but their fight, flight or freeze is like going off like crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe they only know how to fight when they're feeling threatened. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind and of again, that weird role you guys are in. Cause then you're like also having to be a very strange authority figure in their life. Yeah. You're like, I care about you and I'll take this test. <laughs> right. I care about you, but you really can't keep making farting noises while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, I feel like this is probably a good note to end on, too, because you said this when we were talking about doing these two podcast episodes. And it like I thought it was really cool. But you said, like, as a teacher, know that you can only do so much and that you can't control everything. So embrace Mm -hmm. what they're taking of your secure attachment and then let go of the rest. Yeah. I will say this again to all teachers. You need to remember that, like, administration in this state of, and you guys too want your kids to have good grades and succeed. But I promise you, they will be exponentially more successful if they feel safe in your classroom. And it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter if they're getting F's, but big picture, they're going to be like, oh, wow, like, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so really made sure I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, that's just way more life skills into their relationships and jobs and, yeah, you know, and so I think that is the impactful part you guys don't get to see. Mm-hmm. But like, I actually get to see it as a therapist when people talk about, you know, their school experiences. Yeah. But you guys get to see like the, you know, paper, the letter grade A, which is also great. But, you know, I think, I think school boards, do you guys in the state, do you guys a disservice of not putting more, like not putting importance on the other end of things? Yeah. Yeah. Like they'll be like, you know, like the fact that you are creating techniques for them to help calm them down. Mm-hmm. shows that you're caring that they're jacked up from whatever is going on at home. Yeah. And I think if you're wondering like, okay, then how do I create safety in my classroom? Our last podcast episode talked about yeah. things you can do in response to a student's flight or fight or flight behavior. Yeah. So you're doing something. You probably won't see the fruit of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe if you like stick with them till they're like 18, you'll yeah. be like how successful they're being and their good relationships. Yeah. But it is a thankless job for sure. It is. And I, I have seen like at schools where teachers like stay in the same district, like they'll have seniors come back and visit or like yeah. students come back and visit. And it's it's very heartwarming. But yeah, staying not burnout, not personalizing things can help you be a safe person for your students and for help sure. you feel stressed. Yes. So hopefully we threw a lot of information at you, but hopefully you mainly felt validated and seen. Yes. Yeah. And um, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can um, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in following us on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook at whole self therapists But otherwise, we hope that this was helpful. If you're teachers, we wish you the best of luck in your school year. And um, yeah. Thanks. See you guys. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. Any resources or links from today's episode can be found in our show notes. Original music in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.